It reads like this. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So as we continue to read through, the, uh, through this epistle and, and going through the study, uh, this section we have been unwrapping um, uh, more specifically what it is to, to have our Christian behavior we can say in the face of hostility, persecution, harassment. Uh, basically, it's learning to live out our redemption in a, in a hostile and antichrist world. In, in what is the Christian posture when all things are upside down as they are nowadays. You know, Peter continues to press forward about the Christian witness. At the end of the day, it's about our witness to the world. Our witness of, 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 of who Christ is in our lives. Um, and, you know, that's just a question to ask ourselves, you know, if, if Jesus is Lord, if Jesus is, is the Savior of our lives, if, if, if Jesus is God, um, in our, if we truly believe that, you know, what does that mean for us in our lives? Because if it doesn't make a difference, you know, then we're not fully understanding the gospel because there is a difference. There, there, there has to be a difference in your life to say, well, if Jesus isn't God, uh, then if it doesn't matter in your life, well, then you're not understanding the gospel. So it's just important to understand because when we look at our Christian witness, it's important to understand who Christ is in our lives to have the right posture. And that's why Peter continues to press forward, you know, to, you know, to be a witness. You know, not so much how to preach a sermon, how to teach a class, how to give a conference, but how to be a real, just a real authentic Christian. You know, and I hate saying the word real before Christian, but we have to do it. You know, it's, a lot of times we just say be a Christian, but, you know, we have to be a real Christian. Like, it, you know, um, and, you know, it almost sounds like uh, ridiculous to use the word real, but we have to be authentic Christians. And that's why he's pressing toward the individual responsibility and privilege that we all have. And, and this, this text is about preparedness. He's saying, look, at the end of the day, when all this is going down, you need to sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. And you, know, you need to be ready to make a defense, an apologia, and, and that's where they get the word apologist from. It doesn't mean apologize to the world. It means a defense for the, for the hope that is in us. So when people question us, like, why do you sing? Why do you do this? Why do you go to church? Why, you know, that we're not, well, I don't really know. I just do it for fun. No, that, that we're ready to give an answer, that we're ready to say, well, because I worship God, because I believe in him. And, and so Peter's saying, look, what matters is that we can actually give a response for, why, for what we do. You know, it's like when you ask people, you know, who go to the university, which I do a lot, you know, what are you studying? What are you doing it for? Well, you know, my parents told me to go and, you know, and well, I don't really know what I'm, you know, you're, Emma, you're paying $40,000 a year. You should know why you're going to school. If not, get out. You know, don't listen to me, if, you know, but, you know, um, but, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you got to know why you're doing what you're doing. Like, it, it just makes no absolute sense. 
you know, to just go on in life and just be like, well, you know, I'll just see what happens. And so Peter's saying, look, we shouldn't just go on in our Christianity, like, you know, without being able to give an answer. You know, our Christian witness begins from the inside out, is Peter's point. The deepest chamber of man is the heart. The, the, the most secret things of life come from the heart. You know, it's about, you know, it's not about... Um, mastering methods or or uh, or coordinating good events for witnessing or being the best organization in town but it's really about the heart it's the heart issue like how do we become men and women who can be witnesses you know before anything else before before uh, uh, we got to make sure that Christ is seated at the throne of our hearts you know before we give before we serve before we do all these great things we need to make sure that we watch over the heart because a lot of times people serve a lot but Christ is not not lording their hearts. Christ is not the center of their lives. And that's why in Proverbs it says, watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And that's Proverbs 4.23. You know, and that's why scripture tells us a lot in the Old Testament, do not harden your hearts. Do not. Do not harden your hearts. There's a lot of people with hardened hearts, and, and Christ cannot be the Lord of our lives if we're hardening our hearts toward him. And that's why it's whoever is at the throne is the king of your life. So whoever sits at the throne, it could be it could be something good, but if it's not God, it turns into an idol. And that's, so that's the point, that it needs to be Christ at the throne of our heart. And that's what Peter's saying, sanctify Christ as Lord. In other words, set Christ apart as the king of your life in order to give a, a defense for the hope that is in you. And at the end of the day, whether you know it is civil duties, social responsibilities, relationships, Christ must be seen in our lives or we have no real witness. It doesn't matter how good we speak. It doesn't matter the methods we pick up, the tracks that we pass out, the concerts that we, that we coordinate, whatever it is, any way to witness to people. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of our lives, our witness is going to be frail and weak. You know, to call yourself a Christian and nothing in your life points to Christ would be a bit odd, right? If you say, well, I'm a Christian, but if you look at my life, nothing points to Jesus Christ. Well, that's a bit odd. You know, and many people get used to the label of Christianity, but they don't get used to the lifestyle. And that, that's, that's where, the, that's where the, the disconnect happens, and that's the issue. And, and again, the, the scripture, it, it reveals to us like, okay, God cares about our conduct, our behavior. And, and God cares more about that than the, the church that we attend, you know, the synagogue. You never see on here, oh, they went to synagogue, this, this and so. They went to this synagogue. They went to this temple. Because that's not what's important. What's important is that they are a Christian community that lives out the gospel. But nowadays in the Western, it's like, well, what church do you go to? Well, I go to this mega church. Oh, wow. You know, it's like that is irrelevant in the scriptures. What's relevant is that you're an actual Christian in the world, not so much where you attend. And so, uh, again, we're, we're, we, have, we, we flip things around here a lot in our minds, in the way we live. This is the way we grew up. You know, being called a Christian was never a compliment in the Bible. When you read the scriptures, that was a der derogatory mark toward, uh, toward those people people who were following this man named Christ, you know, but because they, they chose to devote themselves to a better way of life, to love your enemy, to feed those uh, who are hungry, to give, a to give a cup of water to those who curse you. Like, I mean, the things that they were doing was not something that they learned from the Greco-Roman world. It was different. It was to follow the steps of the master. And so the people, of, they were called the people of the way. 
And, and, and these were the ones who sanctified Christ as Lord of their hearts. You know, the, 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 the plea that Peter makes is simply to be a Christian. You know, I've been saying this over and over throughout this epistle, like, be a Christian, be a Christian. Because that's the calling. Like, the only way to do all these things, to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil, insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, you know, is to be a Christian. Like, we are not to revile those who revile back. We're not to curse. We're not to desire evil. We're not to envy, slander, be false witnesses. You know, it's to make Christ the main object of our life and allow him to take first place. You know, the Christian duty is to be simply more like God. Every day, our pursuit is to be more like God, day to day, to transform us. You know, without making Him first, we will be moving on our own strength, our own motives, our own will, and that's called disaster. You know, and, and that's why um, we become self-centered, because He is not the center, so we become the center, and, and that's not the way to witness. You know, the, the, the primary, one of the, one of the things about Christ that sets, that, that sets Him apart from, from every other, uh, every other known lowercase g God, is that He is the righteous who suffered for the unrighteous. You never see this anywhere in, in the story of, if you study world religions, which is, you should study it just to see and compare and your faith will grow. You see this at the just for the unjust. That's a real witness. Like, you never see God becoming man and taking on the sins of mankind, you know, upon himself and resurrecting to give us life. Like, th th that's, something to, that's something to think about. So, the wit just the witness of Jesus Christ was powerful. The righteous for the unrighteous. Like he came and took on flesh to die for us. That is, a, that is called a love story. That's a real love story. That's a real witness of love. And you know, there is no greater love than for us to lay down our life, right, for our brother. There, there is no greater witness than to live out our Christianity. You know, it's never too late for us to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts and our lives. As long as we have breath, as long as we have life, it's never too late. Like, it's never too late to make Jesus the center, as long as we have life. You know, um, that's why uh, even the psalmist, when, when, um, uh, when King David fell into the sin with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, you see the, uh, the plea of repentance. And, and in there, in verse 12 and 13, he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your, your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. So when, 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 when King David had fallen into sin, he asked for forgiveness, right? And he said, God, restore to me, create in me a clean heart. Like, make me new again. Why? So I can go and be a witness. We cannot be a proper witness if we're holding on to these sins. You know, God forgives us, but if we don't forgive ourselves, well, that's another problem. You know, and if, if people don't forgive you, well, that's their problem with God. But we must be forgiving to everybody. We must say, you know, as hard as it is to forgive. You know, and, and it's God who creates a clean heart within us. And that gives us strength to be witnesses. A lot, you know, you'll notice this in your life. A lot of times it's very hard to witness of God when we're living far from God, right? It, it's really hard because he's not the Lord of our lives. So when people, it could be at work, at school, in the, in the market, and just in life, ask us a question, and we're not walking faithfully with God, we almost like cringe, or we almost feel like um, uneasy, or whatever it is, and that's because he's not the Lord of our lives, and maybe that's God reminding us, hey, be ready, you know, uh, you know otherwise, how can we give an answer or defense, or that's an apologia, or apologia, for the hope that we claim of, if, if, if the hope is not in us, we can't speak of the hope, 
right? So, you know, the, the hope must be within us. And that's why Peter says, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. You know, hope is not a, a thing, a program, a clutch. It's a person. You know, that, that's the Christian narrative. The hope that we have is not like, oh, follow this one, two, three step program. Follow these 12 steps. You know, go to this course and you'll learn hope. No, it's about presenting Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our only hope. You know, Peter tells the saints, make sure that Christ is truly your Christ, you know, your Savior and, and your Lord. Because what happens is this, he, he, Jesus Christ is Lord, but the, the question is, is he the Lord of our lives? You know, it, it, it's not going to change uh, if we don't make him Lord of our life. He's, he's Lord. But the question, is, the question is, is he the Lord of your individual life? And that's why preparedness is important. You know, many, many folks don't take this initiative. You know, they're not intentional about being ready and, and living prepared. So the enemy takes full advantage of us not being ready and living undisciplined lives. The more undisciplined lives that we live, the more the enemy takes advantage. So the more I don't read scripture, I don't pray, I don't care about things, uh, about spiritual, spiritual things, the enemy takes advantage of that. You know, it's, it's not that we need to be, uh, just to clarify, when we, you know, to talk about giving an answer, it's not that we are all trained in a, in, as an apologist. It would be great uh, in every sector of archaeological, historical Jesus, about cosmology, about philosophy. It would be awesome, but that doesn't happen in the real life. You know, it, it's not about being the Bible answer man or the Bible answer woman who knows all the different questions and has a, a witty answer for all the rebuttals. It's not about that. It, it's about authenticity. Just be genuine. You know, when you live close to God and you daily commune with him through prayer, meditation, his word, worship, you will grow not only more in love with him, but you will grow in knowledge and experience. Just the more that you listen to the word of God, the more that you grow, the more that you're ready, the more that you're able to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And you know, you're going to begin to talk about him naturally like a friend, like a good friend, like a relationship. You'll be able to simply say, you know, that he's good, that he never fails, that he never harms, that he never lies, you know, that he's always faithful, you know, that he's just truthful. Like you'll be able to talk about him like you know him because you do. You know, it's not about convincing people. When, when Peter's saying, look, be ready to give an answer. He's not saying, look, get ready because you're going to have to convince this person. You know, it, it would be awesome if we could, but this doesn't work that way. We don't have the power to open up the heart and say, okay, change. If we did, it would be a different world. But God, God did not make us gods. You know, we are not, we are not, um, we are not called to change the heart of people. We are called to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and make the call to everybody. Come to Christ. And, but most importantly, not to make the call, but it's to live the call. It's to say, okay, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just simply telling you, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the good news and these are the bad news. There's only good news because there's bad news. You know, if there was no bad news, then there would be no good news. Uh, and so it's important that we present the whole Christ, the whole gospel, you know, about, about his mercy about it uh, about him being a righteous judge a holy God a loving God you know it's not about again convincing the people or forcing something down their throats just be real about your faith and hope that's it just talk about God uh, it's not about like you have to believe now like you know a lot of times uh, we may feel like pressured you know when we hear people uh, you know 
only the Holy Spirit can change in open hearts. You know, I tell this to, um, uh, well, I'm not, I don't really teach youth anymore, but when I was teaching the youth ministry a lot, a, a lot of times parents, uh, um, they think that the, that the youth pastor has a gift of miracles or something, and like he's going to like convert the kids or, or, or whatever. Like, and, and it's the, as parents, I'm, I'm also a parent, you know, so I know like we, we tend to try to, we want our kids to follow God, of course, but at times we 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 force uh, 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 unintentionally or uh, uh, the the gospel down their throats, and it it doesn't work that way. We cannot force people to believe. We cannot. Faith is an individual thing. Everybody must come to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody, and, and, and we cannot transfer faith by last name, by blood. We cannot. We cannot do that. Everybody must believe on their own. We pray. We love. We teach. You know. We model it. That's all we can do. We cannot do anything more. And we trust God that he is God. You know, we should be praying, speaking, teaching, and living the hope that is in us. That's the most powerful thing. One of the, one of the tragedies about witnessing is when we are not living the gospel that we are presenting. That's the tragedy. You know, when we're, when we're saying something, but our life has said something else, that is what I've been telling. You know, if you, if you go back in the archives and the teachings of Peter, that's probably one of the main things I've been, I've been emphasizing in different ways. Make sure that your message aligns with your life, and that's what matters the most at the end of the day. Because a, a lot of attention when it comes to giving a defense for the gospel goes to the methods. You know, well, what method are we going to use? What program are we going to do? What special event, you know, you know when it comes to evangelism? You know, and, and that's great, and it does help. But however, Peter wasn't talking about that. You know, there was no time for these for these programs or games, or uh, uh, there was no time. They were being persecuted. He's like, you need to be a Christian. You know, if, if you know, he didn't say, oh, have a synagogue party and invite all these people to come. No, although that would be amazing, but that's not what he said. You know, um, it, we are called to be Christians. You know, you you. Um, you know, for example, if you want to see a small attendance, you know, simply give a biblical class or a seminar or conference. If you, if you give these three topics, whether it's money with, to Christians, right, money, evangelism, or prayer, you're going to have like five people. You know, you have like 10 people, like in a church of hundreds, because people simply don't want to know about, about stewardship, about evangelism, about prayer. And what happens is, as Christians, that hinders our growth because we're in a comfort zone, and those topics move us out of the comfort zone. That's that's the problem. Like whenever we talk about stewardship, it's like, ah, oh, man, here we go again. But what's but what's the the ironic thing is that if you if you're in a secular world, or if you're in the if if you give a, a class in, in the secular world about money, you pack seminars. And I'm like, wait a second. You, you listen to Tony Robbins with the Colgate smile. He pumps everybody up for $150 for an hour and a half, and everybody pays. You come to church, you talk about giving to the Lord, and everybody cringes. And I'm just like, we're off. Like, there's something wrong with us. Like, that, that, that you can pack a stadium to talk about money, but you can't talk about money in the church because people cringe. You could talk about, about, about witnessing about any social, social culture thing or trend outside. You can start a march you know, for that. But in church, you talk about talking about Jesus and people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't really want to do that. You know, and so it, it's it's a scary thing. You know, what, what Peter's saying is, is nothing about this is cozy, comfortable or easy for us. It's not. He said, just be ready to make a defense for the hope that is in you. You know, be, 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 um, 
be ready to speak of Christ. You know, Jesus is Lord. Like I said, whether you believe that, whether you believe in Christ, whether people believe in Christ or not, it doesn't change the fact that he is God. It, it, it's not going to change. The, it's not going to change the fact that he sits at the throne because people don't believe in God reigns now. And we need to know that we need to be sure in our hearts. However, again, the question is not if he is Lord. He is Lord. The question is if he is the Lord of your hearts. You know, allow him to give, to guide you to, uh, and, and he will speak for you. You know, that, that's, that's what we learn in scripture. Like in Matthew chapter 10, when he makes the, when he summons the disciples, when he says, look, this is what's expected. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 and 20, there's no cookie cutter thing here. Look, look at, look at the gospels. Look what they say. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in the synagogues. And you will be even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And that, 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 that's one of the most powerful things. Like whenever you see Peter, Paul, whenever you see the disciples suffering, you know, it, 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 you never see them left alone. When you see Daniel in the den of the lions, right, you don't see him by himself. When you see, uh, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when you go back into the narrative scripture, the God of Israel was with them. Like God never left them. And, and we should look to these miracles. We should look to these testimonies and say, well, if God did this, he can surely get me out of this. God can help me speak here. You know, it, it, he is our voice. He is our shield. He is our vindicator. At the end of the day, Christ will vindicate the saints. You know, he will justify us. You know, as children of God, our Father's voice ought to be the primary voice that we allow to influence us and our ways. You know, we have a good God. We sing about it. You know, we, 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 we talk about it. You know, he is a good God. He is a creator. He is the redeemer. He is holy in all his ways. There is no darkness in him, you know, and he is infinitely good and he is powerful. Those are the things that we should know. You know, when people tell us about our God, be like, he is a good God. He is a powerful God. You know, these things and more, you know, are things that, sh that we need to individually believe. Like, we need to have this in our lives and speak of them. You know, our beliefs, our convictions, and our conscience are tied together. Next week, I'm going to talk about the conscience because it's what Peter talks about. But right now, I'm going to focus on this. So remember this, our beliefs your convictions and your conscience are tied together you know and, and if they're not there's going to be you're going to have instability instability in your life yeah you know and, you know it's so to be a consistent effective witness you know we all must be rooted and grounded in, from the inside out in the word of god the word of god ought to tie together what i believe what what are my convictions and my conscience because if my conscience is telling me, well, I don't, you know, uh, is pushing me this way, my convictions are pushing me this way, my beliefs are over there, I'm going to be a confused soul, like many people. You know, uh, b beliefs take you out of the natural world and into, uh, well, they take you out of the natural world while keeping you grounded in this world, natural, natural world. It, it, it opens the mind to the metaphysical. What that means is beyond the natural, beyond the physical. Meta is beyond. So whenever, whenever, when your beliefs, you know, there's people who are materialist people, not people who acquire things. Materialism is people who believe that all there is in this world is what you see. That's it. And so the, your faith takes you beyond that to understand, like, there is more than what we can see. And so it's, it's your belief. It's your faith that takes you beyond that 
However, it keeps you grounded in this world that you're not thinking just out here in the skies. You're grounded in the world and you have a metaphysical understanding that there is something beyond the natural. Like it's not just what we see. Uh, it, there's more. You know, you know, convictions are the pillars in our lives. You know, and they give us a backbone. When you have convictions, you have a backbone. I hope you guys understand that, what a backbone means. You know, to be, to be firm, to be steady in life, not to be folding for everything, you know, or easily tossed left and right by every wind of doctrine. You know, people who don't have a backbone, you know, are, when they hear something, they're like, oh, well, you know, this must be true. Well, this must be true. Well, this must be true. Um, you know, uh, that's why Jesus said, look, when, whenever you hear the Christ has come, don't believe them. You know, whenever you hear this rumor, that rumor, I'm telling you now, so when it happens, you don't fall. Like, be ready. There's all kinds of, 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 uh, of cults and sects and stuff out there. You need to have your conviction set that Jesus is God, that he is a holy God, that Christ is coming back, that one day he will pick us up, that one day we're going home either by death or, or, or the second coming of the Lord, that, we, that there is a resurrection of the dead, that one day the dead will be raised. Like that, to believe that ought to give you a firm backbone in your life, like individually, not that you're going to convince somebody, but that you yourself believe it, that you live in peace, that you live uh, knowing that, that that is the hope that is in you and, uh, and that you're not scared to talk about it. And so there's the beliefs, the convictions, and then there's your conscience. You know, this is the voice that we are all aware of. Everybody knows we have a conscience. We can't explain it. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know. We just know we have a conscience. Like it's, it's within us. It's, it's what the the philosophers would call the divine voice because they don't know how to explain it. They're like, it's just the divine voice. You know, it tells us what not to do. You know, it keeps us up at night. It changes our mind. It stops us from doing certain things or helps us to do certain things. So all these things need to be tied together. And next we'll go dive a little bit more into the conscience. But so the, a, a, to have a sense of the divine in our lives makes being a human so much more deep, weightier, and beautiful. The fact that you believe in Jesus Christ, the fact that you believe that there is a God, that, that Yahweh is God, it makes your life deeper. Like there is a deeper uh, there is a, a depth to your life. There, it, it's, there's a, uh, your life is weightier, like there's mass. Like you don't just wake up and do nothing and, and worship nothing and just, there's, there's something weightier in your life. Like people see something in you that they don't have. And then it makes life more beautiful. Like when you look at, when you look at nature, when you look at art, when you look at music, you can admire certain things because you know that God is beautiful, God is good, and God has made these things for us to enjoy. You know, and if we ground ourselves in the word of God, you know, we have no reason to fear man. That's what Peter says. Look, be grounded in this. Like throughout scripture, throughout this, you know, he's pointing us to Christ. And the only way to know him is through the word of God. The only way to give a defense is to learn the scriptures. You know, be yourself. Be a man and woman of genuine faith. Live ready and be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. You know, though mockery will come, people will disagree, people will, will, will reject you. Um, not all the time, but it will happen. It's normal. It's natural. Whenever you don't go along with the flow, you know, it's just natural. You know, if you go along with the crowd, you, you just coast right through with everybody else. But if you say something that is different, you know, it, it creates a problem. Uh, you know, um, uh, very rightly so, you know, I think it was, I don't know who said this, but um, one, one of the philosophers, he said, look, anybody who writes to fools has a large audience. It's true. So whenever, if you, if you speak to, if, if what you have is only for fools, you're always going to have a large audience. Look at social media. Look, 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 you know, again, I go to that because it's proof. Whenever you see, like, uh, uh, anything that's un, uneducational, it has 
the most attention. Yes, and this educational has the least attention. Why is that? Because it's just what man, what we desire. Um, all right, enough of that. So you know, we we're all free to think to speak and to believe each and every one of us that's called being a human being all right you know we cannot allow culture society peer pressure friends family to tell you what to believe we cannot each and every one of us will stand before god one day and we will stand before him and we cannot say well the pastor told me this well the you know the news told me this well my mom told me this well no what 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 matters is what do you believe that's called being a human being. We have free will. We make choices. We are not robots. You know, we are not supposed to be an echo of culture or society or history. We're supposed to live our own lives and trust God within that life. You know, when Peter writes to the, the, this Christian community, it wasn't an easy time. He was telling them, make Christ Lord. So in the Greek, it's Christos uh, kurios. And so we don't use the word Lord here. You know, obviously we don't, we don't, we don't we don't refer to people as lord or, or officials um and thank god for that but you know in in their time they, they had caesar as lord they had nero they had domitian right they, they, they had cruel rulers all right and you want to know you want to know cruelty look at history that was nothing like nowadays and so he's saying look make christos curios and and so it's not enough that to just to believe that he is Christ, but he must be the Lord. So there's an important thing here, a play of words. Make Christ the Lord, not Caesar, not Domitian, not Nero, not anybody else. The Christ must be the Lord of your life. You know, and so Christ, again, is the anointed one, the Messiah, the promised one. And Kurios is Greek for Lord, the, our master. So he's saying, make the Christ the master of your life. And again, it may sound so simple uh, to us, because we don't use the word Lord, uh, 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 you know, or make the Christ the government of your life. Make the Christ the, 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 um, the president of your life, whatever word you want to use. Make him number one of your life. You know, if Christ is not the Lord of our lives, it's going to be a problem in our witness. You know, Peter was telling the saints, make sure nobody else has that spot in your life. Kurios is only for one. We cannot have two lords. We cannot have two masters, right? And we see this in the Gospels when Jesus, when, when it talks about money, you cannot serve God and wealth, right? Because that's a problem. People are like, well, I can serve money and God. No, you cannot. You can only have one master because we will be devoted to one and will despise the other and so forth. So we cannot love two masters. And God's saying, you need to make sure that this Christ is your lord you know and and so that again that is the major witness for us you know we will either make christ lord or not in our lives you know you look at the old testament you know you know i you know me and my house will serve the lord joshua right you know he said i don't know about all of you but as for me and my house we will serve the lord you know if you're going to serve the lord then serve him if you're not then don't serve him you know it comes down to that at the end of the day it's like if you're not going to serve god well then go your way and don't serve him and and you reap the, the consequences but if you're going to serve god then fully serve him and so that's that was the claim even to the new testament you know, and that's key to our witness. We cannot be faithful witnesses if he is not the Lord of our lives. This witness must be done in an attitude, you know, Peter says, of gentleness and reverence or with fear, right? We need to be careful when we are witnesses. We need to be gentle. Um, you know, we need, to be, we need to be meek. We need to be... Um, uh, we need to be kind. We need to be, uh, you know, we need to be as, 
as soft as possible at times because people uh, are, everybody's in a different spot, all right, everybody. You know, when we make our apologia, our defense for the gospel, you know, we must be not, we, we must not be overzealous, you know, and point in, in, which, which leads us to rudeness or forcing our beliefs, again, down the throat of people. You know, everybody's in a different spot in life. Everybody is. So when we speak of God, we can't assume that they're in the same spot that you are or that this person. So it's never a one-size-fits-all. That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, look, if you're a Christian, when people ask you, because they will ask you, you know, what did you do yesterday? What did you do last week? Where were you? Or so forth. Or they may ask you, do you believe in God? Or what do you think about God? Just be ready to give an answer. That's it. Yeah, I do believe in God. His name is Jesus Christ. He's a savior of my life. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. And people, a lot of people are blown away by that. Um, you know, I gave you guys, I told you guys uh, um, the story when I went to, uh, uh, when I went to Israel and uh, I got to witness to a, um, a, a, um, a, uh, a Jew. Well, he's, he's not a practicing Jew. He was a Jew, but he's not practicing. And I shared the gospel. This guy lives and he walks the streets where the disciples walked. And he's never heard the gospel. Like never. Never heard, never heard that God is love or that Jesus is God and that Jesus loves. And like that's a foreign thing. And so... You never know where people are at. Like, we don't, we, we just don't know. You know, I was blown away to think that this, you're walking in the streets. We don't know where Jesus walked here, but he was here somewhere in this temple. Like, Jesus walked here, bro. Like, and you don't know Jesus. Like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, blew me away. Like, and so, um, we, we just don't know where people are. So we gotta, we gotta be ready to give a defense for that and to speak of Christ like we know him. Um, and again, not forcing things down the throat of people. You know, this, this, this one, um, again, this is the mistake that many Christians make. We have good intentions, but we fall into it time after time. You know, we try to play the role of God or Holy Ghost Junior. We're like, I'm going to change this person or I'm going to change their heart or I'm going to. We cannot change nobody. We can't even change ourselves. You know, we, we cannot make anyone believe, you know, uh, or force faith. We cannot force faith. That's what's called faith. You know, we cannot, it's faith, it's individual. You know, every time we witness, it will be different. Like I said, everybody is different and everybody is in a different place of life. You know, there is no such thing as that this method is going to work for everybody. It doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, what matters is that you're a real Christian and that works all the time. That's why Peter emphasized lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. You know, uh, not methods. People need to see real, authentic, transparent Christianity. Not people who hide behind methods and pretend that all is easy and perfect. Right? A lot of times people think, well, you're a Christian, so everything is good in your life. No. Let me tell you about my life. And then you'll be like, oh, whoa. You know, life is messy, it's difficult, and it's painful. You know, however, it can also be uh, fulfilling, beautiful, and joyful, and meaningful with Christ as Lord. Um, you know, somebody said this, which is very true. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. If we know the whys, it doesn't matter so much of the how. What matters is the why we do what we do. The why, why do I exist? And that's where God opens up our understanding to the whys of life. You know, science doesn't give you why. It gives you a lot of, uh, of, of other things, how things work in the world, but not why we exist. Our God is a great God, and he makes things you know, possible. Probable impossibilities are to be preferred to improbable possibilities. Uh, somebody once said, probable impossibilities are to be preferred to improbable possibilities. 
Christ, when we speak of God, is we speak of probabilities. We speak of the most probable thing. You know, we don't know for sure anything. You know, but it's the most probable thing. It's the, it's the most reasonable thing. But yet it is impossible. But probable impossibilities should be preferred in our life instead of improbable possibilities. Because what people want is what's possible but not what's impossible. And so what people want is what's material, not what's you know metaphysical. And so we ought to prefer the probable impossibility not be stuck to the improbable possibilities. <clears throat> Let me finish with this. These five things, uh, leave them in your heart and then we'll pray out of, of our Christian witness and our Christian apologia. And this, is, this, and this is good for us to know. God is the best explanation for the origin of the universe. One. Two, God is the best explanation for the fine-tuning of intelligent life. Three, God is the best explanation for the existence of objective moral values in the world. And four, God is the best explanation for the historical facts concerning the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And five, God can be known and experienced. That is something that we should know and we should believe. That is the defense of the gospel. That is the defense of, that we can know that God is the most probable, the best explanation for the origin of everything. That You start there and you trickle your way down. So may God help us and give us strength to be always ready. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before your throne thanking you, God. As we recognize that you are Lord, you are King, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, will allow you to sit at the throne of our lives. As we confess, as we believe that you are Lord, that you are the Christ, I pray that you will give us an understanding to how to walk faithfully in that, in that gospel truth, how to walk faithfully day to day and be a real, genuine witness. I pray that you will give us understanding, that you will forgive us of our sins, Lord, and that you will transform the way that we think, the way that we reason, the way that, that we conduct ourselves. I pray that day to day, Lord, you will teach us the truths of Scripture and that you will make it just known like what it means to be a Christian day to day, Lord, and how to resolve just the day to day problems that we have with you at the forefront, Lord, not ourselves. I pray that you will teach us and remind us day to day of the importance of being a good witness. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.